president of Minnesota Hospice and your host for today's program. I am joined today by two colleagues that I have had the privilege and honor of working with for several years. They are Reverend Debbie Meckley, chaplain and spiritual care advisor, and medical social worker Heidi Simon, licensed generalist social worker with a master's degree in social work. Thank you both for being here and sharing your expertise and experiences on today's program. It's great to be here. Thank you, Ken. I sure appreciate you guys being a part of the program here. Um, We are excited for the opportunity to continue having a weekly conversation about end-of-life health care. We believe hospice is one of the most important specialties of the healthcare continuum, but also one of the most misunderstood and unfamiliar healthcare options available to people as they approach end of life. Minnesota Hospice is a medical practice specializing in guiding patients and families at the end of life. We were founded by local physicians to improve the model of hospice and to create the gold standard in end of life care. We believe in the simple golden rule of serving others as we would like to be served. This principle drives our commitment to be an advocate for our patients and to provide comprehensive, personalized care to both our patients and their families. Our our office is located in Lakeville, Minnesota, and our agency has been serving local communities for 10 years. We currently provide outpatient hospice services in the Twin Cities South Metro area and Southern Minnesota communities. One of our missions at Minnesota Hospice is to increase the public's awareness of the benefits of hospice by providing information and education for our communities to empower patients and families to make informed decisions regarding their end-of-life health care options. In addition, we are dedicated to providing comfort and compassion through extraordinary care, along with hope and inspiration through encouragement and innovative services. You can reach us at our office by calling 612-930-3339 or email us at radio at mnhospice.com. And also, you can reach us online at minnesotahospice.com. Last week, we began our two-part series on the topic of grief and the holidays. The title of the radio program was Shifting Traditions, and we discussed ways to cope, heal, and honor those who have passed. Today, we will continue our series on grief and the holidays with the topic, Feeling Grief Before Your Loss. However, before we begin exploring today's topic, I would like to update you on events and happenings occurring in the new year. First is an important event coming up in April. My friend Susan Marshak, who is the Executive Director for the Minnesota Network of Hospice and Palliative Care, just announced a blockbuster event to kick off the 28th annual Minnesota Hospice and Palliative Care Conference in April. Did you know we have the largest state conference on hospice and palliative care in the country? People from around the nation attend our state event every year. This year, in fact, Susan is expecting nearly 1,000 attendees to this two-day conference. She is welcoming... Dr. Ira Bayak for a special evening on Monday, April 9th at the Doubletree Hotel in Bloomington, which is located on the northwest corner of 44 and Highway 100. Dr. Ira Bayak is a preeminent voice of hospice and palliative care today. His career as a practicing physician and leader in the hospice and palliative care community has spanned over three decades. He is best known, though, as the author of transformative books such as The Four Things That Matter Most and also Dying Well. Dr. Bayak's books are widely considered essential texts for anyone providing care or counsel to others facing serious illness or end of life. And it's insightful and inspiring reading for everybody else. Dr. Bayak's mission of providing whole person care and his dream of making the end-of-life journey meaningful for both patient and family is more relevant today than ever before. You will be enlightened and inspired hearing about his experiences and stories in caring for patients and families through serious illness and the end-of-life. This is a must-see event for anyone interested in hospice and palliative care. Tickets are now available on the Minnesota Network of Hospice and Palliative Care website. This event will sell out, so please consider registering soon. 
as we move into this holiday season, for some, this may very well be the last holiday with a loved one due to a terminal illness. We can imagine that not only is this a challenging time to be joyful, but it's also a difficult time to step into those honest conversations about dying and death with a declining loved one. Reverend Debbie, could you share some insights for our listeners on how and why we should consider moving through this with honesty? Well, I'm reminded of a quote from Margaret Mead. She says, when a person is born, we rejoice. When they get married, we celebrate. And when they die, we pretend nothing happened. And when they're dying, I think sometimes we're pretending that as well. I think that's kind of a defense mechanism for us as well, uh, protects us. But this is our culture. It's not anyone else's fault, I suppose, but it's true. Um, And I believe that we have to honor all cycles of life, and dying is living. Uh, It's a very, very spiritual experience, probably the most spiritual experience in our life and um, not religious. So I think that it's important that whatever role your faith might play um, in your life, it's a very beautiful addition to the circle of life and to the dying process. But this time of year um, with the holidays, it can be uncomfortable for family members to have that conversation, to talk about dying, um, to be united together. But I I believe honesty is the best policy. And when mm-hmm. we are authentic, um, uh, it feels better. Uh, there is a saying, and I believe it to be true. I mean, Heidi and I see this all the time, is we die the way we lived. So if we live in honesty and authenticity and having conversations, um, we'll die that way in a different way. Or if we have fear and anxiety, we may die that way. And so we um, think it's really important to open up the conversations. We call them courageous conversations um, surrounding the spiritual pain that we have as it relates to our relationships, our forgiveness, our hope. um, And um, our purpose in life, our meaning in life, they're all heavy on our heart no matter where we're at, who we are um, in this process. And our team at Minnesota Hospice plays an integral part in opening the doors so that our patients and families can express themselves. And that's one thing that I've learned from you two in our years together is having the opportunity for a patient and family to have an authentic conversation. And that's not something that is typically a part of, let's say, a a medical um, care for a person is to is to open up conversations because these are things that have happened throughout lifetime or even through generations. So I, I marvel at, at you guys, your ability to, at this amazing time in a person's life, to open that door for these type of conversations. Can you go further on and tell us more of what that looks like? Yeah, I think something that we see so much of is um, when a, a person who has a terminal illness they're dying and if they don't talk about it the family might mistaken that for they don't know it or they don't want to talk about it um we see so often uh, in our culture um we might hear mom or dad or a loved one say you know um i don't think there's much time left or i'm not going to mm-hmm. be here much longer and um we tend to answer back in our culture by saying something like, oh, no, 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 you're, you've got plenty of time here. You're not going anywhere. Deny it, right? Right. In yeah. fact, what they've done is open the door. Mm-hmm. It's not only for them to have the conversation, but for you, the loved one, to say something like, mom, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. How does that feel? More importantly, how does that feel? Yeah. How do you see that in your own mind and how can I help? Um, because we call that D word the, the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. And until that is uh, conversation is had, the joyful conversations um, really don't get to take place and we start to avoid those and the truth is when we are dying we all know it Um, every person that I have ever said uh, to do you feel different they tell me yes they feel different inside they can feel that shift um, of things that are moving and um, science shows us that we are, um, are at a DNA level, at a cellular level, our bodies are born knowing how to die. So we do know how to do this. And um, if we can have those conversations, it's extremely freeing uh, for everybody involved. One of the things, uh, as we near the end of our first segment here, is that um, you guys have educated me about uh, death is really a teaching moment. And I've mm-hmm. found that a lot of times when the person that is passing they are teaching the people they're leaving behind 
about the death, about the dying process, about themselves. And a lot of times we're just, we're, we have too much grief or we're too preoccupied to really listen and to hear what those, those truths mm-hmm. that were being taught here at that time. Yeah. It's so true because over time, the way we view death has changed. It was yeah. not like this in past history. Um, it was celebrated. Right. We're kind of getting back to celebrations of life and talking mm-hmm. about their celebrations instead of memorials and funerals. Um, but uh, it, it's it's important to have those conversations because there's things that we could miss. Yeah. So many uh, things that we can miss. We come here to make memories, and there's memories to be made. When somebody is dying, they are living. They yeah. are still living. That's exactly right. And yeah. um, we need to honor that and honor all aspects and phases and cycles of life and we don't do that enough with the dying and we're here to possibly change that that's right and you guys are doing a great job of that uh the feedback we get from our patients uh, families Mm -hmm. and the facilities is just overwhelming um so again thank you so much you guys in the practice that you have all right with that we will be back um you are listening to the minnesota hospice radio show And we will continue our discussion on grief and the holidays, feeling grief before your loss. Hi, it's Tom Hartman for Continental Diamond. You've heard me talk about this place for a long time. And this holiday season, it's time to get your loved one a gift that will last a lifetime. Their experts know all the latest trends and will help you find the perfect gift to fit any budget with an amazing in-stock selection to choose from. Stay away from the craziness of the malls and visit Continental Diamond, adjacent to the West End in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. That's Continental Diamond for the perfect holiday gift. Turn to Auto Technical with your vehicle donation. Even though Auto Technical is a small nonprofit, we have helped more families with transportation than any organization in Minnesota. Since 94, we have reconditioned donated vehicles so they have a higher tax benefit. Call Richard at 612-919-5526, 612-919-5526, or autotech.org. It's a good day to be indigenous. Native Earth Radio presents I'm Awake. Our weekly Native American talk radio show will discuss national and local Native American news and events. Local and national guests will help us keep current with Mother Earth, tribal, and Twin City issues. Native American issues are human issues. We invite all people to walk hand-in-hand with our struggles, victories, and achievements. Listen Saturdays at 2 p.m. I am awake. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. What kind of a jackass would let an animal pick their insurance? Did you really think a lizard could save you money on car insurance? Would you let a duck pick your health policy? Insurance can be a zoo, but this is ridiculous. What you really need is an insurance agent that isn't looking out for the insurance companies. You need Cheryl at Array, an independent agent with 30 years experience looking for the best rate possible. Quit monkeying around and call 763-504-3067. That's 763-504-3067 for Cheryl at Array, representing you, not the insurance companies companies. The local advertisers you hear on AM 950 are the lifeblood of the station. If you find yourself regularly tuning in, or if you appreciate the diversity of content we deliver, please take the time to support our advertisers. Even if it's just to thank them for backing AM 950, your voice and support can go a long way. Help keep the station going strong while investing in our local community. Find the complete list of on-air supporters by visiting the advertisers page at am950radio.com. That's am950radio.com. Welcome 
Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice Radio Show. My name is Ken Hagland, and I am joined today by Reverend Debbie Meckley and medical social worker Heidi Simon. The last segment, we began our discussion on grief and the holidays, feeling grief before your loss. Let's continue that conversation. The new year traditionally offers a sense of new beginnings. The passage of time will always bring about a new year, but a new beginning may not be the feeling for some who are grieving a loss or an anticipated loss. We are sensitive to this, so we can elaborate on this a bit for our listeners with our past experience with our patients and families. Debbie, yeah. do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, you know, we think about new beginnings. We expect new beginnings as the course of a new year, but for people who are anticipating loss, it might be a distant thought. And as a griever, you're, you face the new year with the prospect that this is the last new year together mm-hmm. if your loved one is terminally ill. And um, But I encourage people to find a new way you know, uh, to approach it. We we talk about being innovative, and um, it's an opportunity to approach it uh, with a positive outlook, um, attitude, you know, of uh, gratitude, reminding ourselves of the gifts that our loved ones have given us. Some of them are so non-tangible, you know, they're the things that they taught us, our morals, our values, um, the things they instilled in us. And I chuckle when I think of genetically some of those predisposed things that, that <laughs> they've given us as well. <laughs> Keeping an open mind to um, having a newer, broader idea about how we can create memories during this time of anticipated loss as well. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about memories, Debbie, I think about one of the ways that... Um, that I've experienced being able to um, to feel that gratitude is um, just to maybe sit down and take a moment to write those things down that are beautiful gifts or memories of that person, um, something that your loved one has left you. Um, and I think... I think there's a difference in, in actually sitting down and handwriting it compared to, you know, we're used to being on our laptops and our tablets. And, and, and I think there's something significant about that pen or pencil in hand flowing across the paper because there's honestly not one thing that you could say wrong. I, I mean, agree. everything on your list is absolutely um, meant to be there because that relationship and that person is unique. And so are their gifts. Um, and even if it's if it's something like you know that beautiful curly hair, or uh, or maybe the ability to speak another language. I know um, with with my patients that I visit on a regular basis, they love when I come over because they want to teach me something in Czech. <laughs> I learned Czech. Yeah. Um, so we're all learning. But just the way that that impacts them and us, because those are going to be things that that I carry um, with me forever. And. You know, as as a person who's grieving someone, that's why we grieve, because we will miss them, and we don't want to forget them or their gifts. Um, and as we um, have that practice of gratitude for who they were and what they meant and what they've left us with, um, yes, we probably will have tears, but at the same time, we will smile and we will have joy. Yeah, yeah, they've they've given us so much, and the way we do this grieving process um, are some of the last memories that we'll actually have with them, yeah. and um, we take that, the living, we the living take that with us uh, for a long time as we go out there. So the gifts are permanent, and um, I just encourage listeners to um, maybe open their eyes to seeing grief in a new way. I'm reminded of a passage that I wrote in a book that I wrote to my mom while she was um, on her dying journey, and it was about putting on rose-colored glasses to have a new point of view, or a new viewpoint. Um, It's an opportunity to heal, and uh, we can offer this point of view to one another as we join families, and if some of those conversations become um, uncomfortable, um, remember that we're, we're making a memory as well. This is a new memory. And as in the last show, we talked about shifting traditions and starting. We can start those traditions while we still have this person with us. Absolutely. And Ken, you mentioned Dr. Ira Bayak. And I have to say, the book that he wrote, The Four Things That Matter Most, has become something that I carry with me on a regular basis. Um, he does a beautiful job of incorporating stories into, you know, 
why these conversations are important. And so in his book, he talks about the four things, which are, please forgive me, I forgive you, thank you, I love you. And actually, there's a fifth one, because we're, we're really talking about saying goodbye to someone. Right. But I wanted to share um, something significant for me that I hold on to as a story that he tells here that identifies that you know we can be really creative in how, how we have these interactions, because... Culturally, we all communicate differently. Um, some are more emotionally expressive than others. And so he tells the story of a colleague of his that had received word that his father was going to be coming home on hospice. And so he approached Dr. Bayak, you know, and they talked about the clinical things like the do not resuscitate order and medications. But Dr. Bayak took that opportunity to talk to him about the four things that matter most and having those conversations with him. And, and you know, his colleague at that time was... I, I suppose, kind of going through life review of his relationship with his father and thinking, okay, this is not going to work for us. This is not how we've ever interacted. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine now we would be doing this. So um, he arrives in Minnesota, and after he and his father and family take care of the business side of things, um, making sure all of his affairs are in order, his father pulls him aside and asks him to shave him. And he immediately... Dr. Bayok's words come into his mind because he's realizing in that moment, this is not about shaving. Mm -hmm. My father wants me to engage with him. He wants to experience that touch, that intimacy um, is, is important to him at this time. So he, um, because he had this in the back of his mind, he shaves his father. And as he's you know, preparing to do that, the smell of the shaving cream reminds him of this rite of passage that his father had shared with him all these years back. And so everything's coming full circle. Powerful. Because the event of shaving led to, as his father declined, he started to help him dress. He started to help feed him. And so in the last days of his father's life, he is able to provide this care that he had never anticipated being involved in. And after his father made his transition, he talked about what peace and, um, you know, what a transformation that was for him because he could think back to those memories. Yeah. What a beautiful example of, um, of conversations without words and the meaning of that connection. Mm -hmm. um, so for your listeners out there, I just wish you a new year that's filled with many happy feelings and thoughts and memories, as many as you desire to possess. And uh, if and when you find yourself inside of sadness, I invite you to remember the many gifts that have been uh, showered upon you by your loved one. And I invite you to smile as you feel the peace that's within you, the peace that you deserve to have when you think of the joy when they come to your mind, for they're always with you. They always will be. And uh, listen to that still small voice inside that says, move towards that, move forward in your relationship, move forward in um, the holidays and how, um, how you can feel better with that. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Reverend Debbie and Heidi. We appreciate those, uh, those insights. We're up against uh, the end of the first segment here. I want to let you guys know we are listening to the Minnesota Hospice Radio Show. We will be right back with our discussion to continue on with grief and the holidays, feeling grief before your loss. Can it be? Junk Gaming Wisconsin, wherever you are and however you like it, we're just the place you're looking for. Six unique, fun, exciting, winning destinations located throughout central Wisconsin. Make your rounds to Wittenberg, Nakusa, Black River Falls, Toma, Madison, or Wisconsin Dells for the hottest slots, most exciting games, award-winning guest service, delicious food and spirits, lodging, and live entertainment. Join the Ho-Chunk Gaming Rewards Club for free. And with a single card, you can earn valuable points no matter which of the six locations you choose to play. That means more exclusive offers, giveaways, cash back, discounts, and much more. Visit us online to see all we have to offer and find the fun times nearest to you at HoChunkGaming.com. So wherever you are and however you like it, we're just the place you're looking for. Ho-Chunk Gaming, Wisconsin, Wittenberg, Nakusa, Black River Falls, Toma, Madison, and Wisconsin Dells. Experience the difference. Ho-Chunk Gaming, Wisconsin. Must be 21 or over to play. Is it time to downsize but don't know where to start? 
Give the house geeks with Bricks Real Estate a call. We're experienced in making this process as easy as possible. Whether it is help with pricing your home, assistance in finding movers, or any of the other professionals you might need to get your home sold, we're here for you. Take the worry away by giving us a call today at 612-207-5388. That's 612-207-5388 or online anytime at housegeeks.com. So how did Chrismica just snuck up on us? And you've waited and waited all year to get your carpet cleaned. Getting your carpet zero res clean makes your home healthier to get rid of the bacteria and dust bites and dander lurking in your carpet. This month, get three rooms zero res clean starting at $129. Plus this month, you can get great deals getting your air duct zero res clean. So call zero res today because your family deserves a clean, fresh smelling home for the holidays. That's 952-ZERO-RES or visit ZeroResMN.com. Zero Res, spell it backward or forward, it spells the same. Next time on Philosophy Talk, is intuition a guide to truth? Oh, intuition's just a fancy word for untutored guesswork. It's the enemy of reason. No, intuition is the ally of reason. Reasoning requires a starting point, and that's what we accept on instinct and intuition. Oh, my hunch is that you're wrong. Can't be. I derive all my beliefs from first principles. Intuition? A guide to truth? Next time on Philosophy Talk. Catch Philosophy Talk every Sunday at 8 a.m. and again at 5 p.m. on AM 950. It's the best time of the year. Toyotathon is on. Rudy Luther Toyota is celebrating their 40th anniversary with great deals all month long on all new Toyotas. With huge incentives from Toyota, now is the time to buy. Great rebates on RAV4s, great rebates on Camrys, and remember, you get my favorite perk from Rudy Luther, the Luther Advantage Card, which gets you 10 cents off per gallon at Holiday Station stores for three years with every vehicle purchase. Toyotathon is on. Stop in today on the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Hi, I'm Matt McNeil, and I want to encourage you to join me weekday afternoons at 3 p.m. for The Matt McNeil Show. It's a Twin Cities-based full hour of talk where we discuss what's going on in the state and in the nation from a Minnesota perspective. We'll be joined by a lot of great guests, and we'll take your phone calls. Interact with us on the Twitter page, at Matt McNeil Show, the Facebook page, Progressive Citizen X, The Matt McNeil Show, and on email, comment at am950radio.com. The Matt McNeil Show, weekday afternoons at 3, right here on AM 950. Minnesota Hospice Radio Show. Welcome back. My name is Ken Hagland, and I am joined today by Reverend Debbie Meckley and medical social worker Heidi Simon. In the last segment, we talked about uh, grief in the holidays and, and uh, feeling grief before your loss. Um, and here's a segment that we are, are starting here um, now that I'm really looking forward to. It's, it's talking about stories that um, have that we have been privileged and honored to be able to be a part of in our practice, and uh, and these are always such fun stories to talk about the things that that we see people go through, but also the teaching moments that we get to experience as a part of that. And uh, so I'd like to just jump into this. We've got several stories that I know we won't get to all of them, mm -hmm. but. Um, Reverend Debbie, would you mind want to kick it off here and, yeah, and uh, talk yeah. about uh, your first story? Well, um, you know, we have hundreds of stories. We have yes, been we with do. hundreds of people in their transition, and every single one of them is a story. And so we uh, wanted to share a few of them that brought movement and peace to families and to patients when they started having authentic conversations or they started knowing what each other's uh, wishes were. One that comes to mind is uh, the story of Larry. And um, in Larry's last days, um, he would talk about the one thing that he really missed was that incredible taste of food mm. his um uh son-in-law to be was a chef a professional chef and would cook the most amazing meals and the night that Mary, larry made his transition all the family was in the home and um his son-in-law to be was cooking i mean making homemade pastas on the counter and and the smells were incredible and from an intuitive place because larry was entering that really deep sleep he um, said to me, and I heard very, very loud and clear, 
He said, go out there and tell them to eat like this is their last meal, Mm -hmm. to taste it for me, smell it for me, to love it, enjoy it as if it was the last meal they were going to have, and then to eat dessert, Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to leave. And he certainly did. 20 minutes after dessert, Larry left. Mm -hmm. And I had also the honor of um, uh, doing a, a, a part of his celebration of life service um, because of that bond and how the family came together and they found joy and they toasted that's what he wanted and they realized by allowing themselves to do that they were feeling the joy that he wanted them to feel Mm -hmm. that's where their that that intricate you know connection was Mm -hmm. what go ahead Heidi well I was thinking of a story um, where um, you know one of our patients did not have family close um, and this was Robert and he was born and raised in southern Minnesota. However, after graduating high school, um, had gone off to college and then created a life in northern Minnesota, um, had a career and made connections there. And um, as his disease process progressed, though, it was realized that he was better um, served back closer to where he um, had been born and raised. So he was was down um, in our area. And at that time, um, you know, we, we came on as his caregivers, and he also had the support of a caseworker in the county. So here we are, the facility and the caseworker and us, and we got really close. His sister was also had moved up north in the same area with him, um, and so we connected with her because her husband had his own health concerns. And so as much as she wanted to be able to physically come down and be here, she just... You know, she just couldn't. So we were in probably daily contact with her. And, um, you know, as he was moving through things and as we were seeing declines, we realized, you know, this is this is something significant. He had a connection, of course, to his sister, but to his community. And, um, you know, we, we knew that we, we had a certain amount of time because we also wanted him to be comfortable. We didn't want to put him through a trip that was going to be difficult for him to endure. So... We were just so blessed to be able to partner with his caseworker in the county because when, you know, we were able to communicate with his sister and say, this is the day that we could do it. She said, you know what? I will drive him. It was four hours one way. And she took him up north and he was able to meet um, at his sister. He went to his sister's home. They had uh, just a beautiful meal together. So they had some alone time. And then he was also able to go to um, the assisted living facility that her husband was currently being cared for and be able to have some time with him. And you know, it just it just demonstrated that even though we're coming in as caregivers, we became extended family, and we connected with his family and loved ones to be able to really provide for him this opportunity to to just reconnect, to have these conversations. And it wasn't long after he came back that he made his transition. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was a wonderful story. Um, uh, and there was another little part of that story is that <laughs> after he came back... One thing he said, there was one more thing he wanted, and that was to have a grilled hamburger. Yes. And so, well, I'll never forget the day. It was pouring rain, and we grilled hamburgers and hot dogs for the entire staff there. Yes. And um, the other residents. His residents, and yeah, yeah, extended family. Isn't that, though, interesting, especially with your story about Larry? He couldn't experience the eating. But what gave him joy was to have others, his loved ones, experience it for him. I mean, in a sense, he almost was living vicariously through them. But mm-hmm. I, I just find it so interesting how at end of life, people just um, become selfless. It, it really is about others and, uh, and the joy that that gives to him to know that you guys were experiencing something that, that he savored, that it was important to him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I... Um, your story just reminded me about uh, uh, John um, and just how, at end of life, how generous people and organizations can be when they know that there's a last wish. I, I just find it remarkable uh, of, of, of the lengths that people that we have worked with to help fulfill a last wish. And uh, that reminds me of, of, of John, um, who was a landscaper his entire life. Um, created beauty uh, through landscaping for both residential and commercial uh, applications. And uh, anyway, John um, ended up having a debilitating illness that uh, really prevented him from ambulating and moving around. Um, And so he was in a facility uh, to take uh, good care of him. 
and but as he was nearing the end of life, um, he uh, he mentioned to uh, the caregivers and to the hospice team when they asked him, which is really important. They asked him mm-hmm. and are willing to listen. And they said, "What would you like to do? What would the if there's one thing you would like to do?" Um, and he said, "Oh, I would love to smell." fresh cut grass again <laughs> and of course everybody in the family just blew it off and said no well you know we can open a window up for you and you know he said no no i want to cut the grass that i'm smelling and so the hospice team again so resourceful thought well why not let's see what we can do here so Every week, he had the opportunity to watch the landscape group come in for the to the facility, to the grounds, and mow and trim and do all the great stuff that he used to do. And so the hospice team asked them, is it possible, would you be willing to consider giving John a ride on a riding lawnmower? And, of course, they said, absolutely. We would love to do that. Um, and so the team figured out a way to buckle John in and get him secure and he was, he was safe and the family was, uh, was uh, okay with it. And uh, so the day came and fortunately it was the most beautiful day of the week. The sun was shining, the birds were chirping and uh, they got John out to the running lawnmower, lifted him up, hoisted him on the tractor buckled them in, and uh, one of the foremen for the uh, landscaping crew sat on there with him, and they drove around and mowed that grass. John's last time mowing that grass and smelling that fresh-cut scent of the grass being cut. And even, he said, the smell of the engine and the exhaust, he said, I just forgot how great that was. And uh, the day ended, the family was just in awe. Uh, They had hadn't seen a smile on John's face like that uh, really for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the grounds crew, the facility, everybody was in tears. It was just an amazing, amazing moment. But it, uh, it, and the nice thing is that John uh, passed uh, a few days after that. Um, but he passed in peace. Yeah. And, he, and he passed knowing and really reflecting on the purpose of his life was to create beauty you got nature, and and he was able to be an artist with with uh, the mm-hmm. nature around him, and uh, but that reminds me though just how important it is and the great work that you guys do in asking those questions and listening and helping the family because there's so much there's so much distraction and pressures and emotions and things that they're going through that I think it's and as we always hear from our families they said I wish I would have known sooner. Yeah. The resources and the the help and the assistance you guys bring to this process. So uh, anyway, just a really uh, that that story just moved me because it uh, it shows how the simple things in life are what really matters at the end. Well, and a perfect example that um, those last wishes or bucket list or things that somebody wants to do aren't necessarily big, huge things or trips or, you know, they're um, some of those simple things that we hold on to. We don't know what they're thinking, you know, what life review is going through their mind. So, uh, and I love the way passionately you tell that story because that's how we all feel about the stories and the people. Um, They're all close to our heart. Well, and, and uh, the thing is that uh, we we had talked about this several times and how fortunate we are that families allow us into that sacred place of this time that is, is so intimate. And it, it is so important, and it, it reverberates through the generations that when that process is done well, when people get a chance to have a voice, um, and you guys are just you guys are just so amazing at helping those families at that critical time of listening. And helping, and and of course, the joy it brings us when we we can we can't always, mm-hmm. but there's times where we can do those simple last mm-hmm. wishes that make for a great opportunity. You touched on the fear, obviously, that the family had on um, mm-hmm. protecting him and not wanting him to go out there and to do that. But what actually, when they allowed themselves to partake in his wish, it changed. 
I can only imagine them looking at his face or that memory of him on that rider, smelling the grass and the (laughs) smile that was the gift that that he was trying to give them as well. And um, so remembering that sometimes we have to take an opportunity to step out of our own way. Yeah. And to know that um, that if we put our focus on that person who is going through um, this journey uh, and support them, and what mm-hmm. can I do? Right. Um, it it shifts everything for um, the future for those who are left back here, still living and existing and remembering. Right. Well, that, that memory they'll never forget that memory of John riding on that tractor a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looks like we are coming up against our next break here. So um, we will bring you guys back here after the break. You are listening to Minnesota Hospice Radio, and we'll be back to continue our discussion on grief in the holidays. And uh, and we'll have a couple more stories, and we'll also talk a little bit about, the, uh, about some topics on grief. This is Norman Goldman from my favorite Minneapolis furniture store, Habitation Furnishing and Design. Let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy your home? Does your furniture make you comfortable? Are you proud to have guests over? With the long winter months shutting us all in and the holidays fast approaching, I encourage you to visit Habitation St. Louis Park Showroom to see what potential awaits. Let Habitation help you craft a space that makes your home the place to be this holiday season. Check them out at HabitationDesign.com. Tell them Norman Goldman sent you. Here's why companies, clubs, and organizations just like yours book Freddie Bell for keynote presentations. I've been able to find my way through trying circumstances, and with each seemingly devastating situation, I've come back stronger and better. Why? Because of the techniques that embody courage, enthusiasm, and staying focused on the goal, that dream and that desire. What's your dream? What's holding you back? If you've been struggling to get to the top, if you're searching for unprecedented breakthroughs, if you're looking for the light when the way seems dark, book Freddie Bell today. The way to a successful life is using proven techniques that move you, that help you, and sustain you. It's time to get fired up. It's time to move up and to show up. Freddie provides the keys in your keynote address. Call Freddie Bell now. 888-639-9738. That's 888-639-9738. Or visit FreddieBell.com right now to book your engagement. This holiday season, think outside the everyday chocolate box. Make a splash with your friends, family, and clients with elegantly packaged artisan chocolates from Chocolat Celeste. Come taste the intoxicating flavor of the finest European chocolate, handcrafted with love by founder and chocolatier Mary Leonard. Mary and her staff will help you understand the kind of chocolate that everyone wants and dreams about. Watch while the recipient opens the box. It's like a beautiful piece of holiday artwork. Then watch them taste the sweet and complex flavors for Angelico, gingerbread, and Thai spice. Make your way to Chocolat Celeste. Open weekdays 10 to 5.30 and Saturday 10 to 5 p.m. Can't make it to Chocolat Celeste? Browse our website, chocolatceleste.com. View the holiday and corporate gift guides. Need help? Call Mary at 651-644-3823. Chocolat Celeste, the way chocolate is meant to be. Northeast Minneapolis is known for its creativity, and you'll know exactly why when you eat at Hazel's Northeast. Their creatively prepared comfort food will have you coming back week after week. Breakfasts like biscuits and gravy, granola pancakes, and brisket hash. For lunch, homemade soup, and one of the best Rubens in town. And don't miss the daily risotto or Chef Ali's ever-changing dinner specials. Come on in. Bring the whole family. Hazel's Northeast delivers real good food. Family owned at 29th and Johnson in Minneapolis. Welcome back to the Minnesota Hospice Radio Show. We are going to continue our discussion on stories as they relate to grief and the holidays and the grieving that takes place before the loss. 
And I'd like to uh, continue our conversation about some of these amazing stories that we've had the privilege to be a part of over the years. And, uh, and I'd like to um, turn that over to Heidi at this point and, and share another story for us. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, Deb, you were talking about how sometimes our own reservations or emotions or fears can kind of put a little barrier into what someone might want to experience at end of life. And I, um, a couple weeks ago, we, our patient, his name is John, and he, um, I knew that he was moving through his process. And so I happened to be there and, and I went into the room. And when I walked in, of course, I saw his niece, Kathy, who's been his caregiver. And there was a couple other adults, but I see this little girl who was probably six or seven years old and she's in there and she's playing cards. And so I walked in and, and, um, you know, just updating on how things are going. And so I went to his bedside and, and I'm talking to Kathy and I said, wow, I just, I can't believe, you know, how nice it is to have your little one here. And she said, well, that's my, my granddaughter. And, um, so Kathy's husband had passed four years earlier and her little granddaughter wasn't there at the time and said to her grandma, you know, I'm just really sorry that I couldn't be there for you, Grandma. Do you think that I could come here today and be with you um, while you're taking care of John? And it was just this moment of just beauty and innocence. Um, and so I said to them, I just think it's amazing that you honored her request because little ones, um, they don't have the same fears that we do. A lot of times by watching, sometimes, you know, just the way that we move through things can actually create that fear for them um, but she just had this understanding that this is natural this is beautiful and my role the place that I need to be is with my grandma I want to help her um, and so at the same time there's another family member who was probably in his 70s and he was asking me questions and he was a little apprehensive about the whole thing and he said you know as old as I am I've never been a part of this. Wow. I have never experienced this and I don't know what's happening so it was as if this little here we have this little girl and then you know she's on this side of the life cycle and then we have this gentleman who is saying basically saying i'm scared i don't know if if i want to be here or not and so as he's asking me questions i'm able to talk him through how beautiful and peaceful this can be and also looking at her and he's able to look at her be so comfortable and she's rubbing john and talking to her grandma and has her arm around her and one of the most powerful experiences that we had that day um, as we're at his bedside is Kathy's going through different stories about him and she's laughing and telling me things and I'm doing the same with her because he had such a great sense of humor and all of his caregivers at the facility always would joke with him and so you knew when you walked in the door by the look on his face something was <laughs> <That's right. laughs> something was coming and so as we were exchanging these stories it was a, a really overcast day and all of a sudden this beautiful, warm, bright sunlight just fills the whole window by his bed. So much so that it covers part of him. And his niece and I both have our hands on him and, and within seconds, his breathing changes. And it is so powerful that we look up at each other and she looks at me and she says, did you feel that? <laughs> I said, I absolutely did. This is, we are in, we are in a moment of grace. We were, we are blessed um, in this spiritual event that we are are a part of, and you know, within moments from his breathing changed changing, um, he made his transition. And what was really significant for me was not only this experience with the two generations of this little one who wants to just be this healing light to her loved ones and and help, um, and then this gentleman who is saying, "Wow, I'm I'm at this point and." and I've never been a part of this, but here I am, is the look on Kathy's face when we were in that experience of that warm, bright light and, and that transition because her past experience was, you know, saying goodbye to her husband. And we all know that our grief is very different based on what our relationship was with the person that's, that's left. And so it really felt in that moment that she experienced a little bit of healing because her granddaughter was there, had her arms wrapped around her, and, and yet there, this beautiful light was there for her. And she got to have an experience that just reminded her of how spiritual um, and peaceful this is. And there didn't have to be any rules about that moment, about that dying experience, right. about that transition. There were no rules. It just allowed it to be the way it was supposed to be. It was authentic, and it was their own. Yeah. They were creating it. 
So I just, you know, encourage as we move through um, uh, this end-of-life process with a loved one during this time of year that we have an opportunity to see it different, you know, to make it different. Um, We're in charge of that. And, um, you know, throughout our conversations um, on the Minnesota Hospice Show, we talk about the myths and the truths about um, hospice, about events, about grief, about dying. And, um, you know, grief, um, the myth around grief is that it is not an event. It's not something that you get through, you get over. It's as individual as the person who is having the experience, and each of us has the right to go through it in our own way. And to surround ourselves with people who support that and who don't have an expectation of how it's supposed to look. Um, Grief will never go away, and that's the truth. Um, We may not like the sound of that, but the truth is grief will change its face over time. That lump in your throat, uh, those episodes of sadness, the intensity of that will decrease, the frequency will lessen, and you will find your joy again. I do have people uh, say to me um, that they feel guilty when they attempt to feel better by looking for more joy and laughter, by practicing self-care, that some may think this means that they've forgotten their loved one or they've forgotten the one that is about to leave, and that's just not true. Um, No one, uh, it's unnatural for us to move toward feeling bad. It's more natural for us to move toward that which makes us feel better. For those of us whose loved ones may be gone already, uh, they are simply a form of love in its purest form now, and they desire for us to feel joy. And um, so self-care is a must. We need to be taking care of ourselves, and part of that is authenticity, having courageous conversations, surrounding ourselves with support, talking with our our siblings, um, with our family members, and um, owning those conversations so that we can move forward in our own wellness and um, create those memories that are going to be so powerful in the future for us. You know, Deb, and you talk about um, that that the grief will change us, and that's absolutely true. And the transformation is as active now as it ever was for the person that's moving through end of life, but also for those of us who remain, because the truth is, as much as we feel like we're holding on to, I, I want things to be the way they were before, this experience is is here for us to transform us as well. It's life-changing, and um, we do end up having a whole new way of life. Unfortunately, guys, we've got to wrap it up here. Um, Thank you for listening today to the Minnesota Hospice Radio Show. I want to thank my colleagues, Reverend Debbie Meckley, Chaplain and Spiritual Care Advisor, and Medical Social Worker Heidi Simon. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Please feel free to contact us with any questions or comments regarding today's show, or let us know of topics you'd like for us to discuss in future shows. You can reach us at 612-930-3339, email us at radio at mnhospice.com, or visit us online at minnesotahospice.com. Thank you for listening.